0: Hello, this is Kisa Shrine. Today on the show, we're featuring another interview from our Net Zero Conversation series. The series was recorded at the Net Zero Delivery Summit, hosted by the City of London Corporation in association with the COP26 UK Presidency 2022 and the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, also known as fans. As always, we love hearing from you. So reach out on social media or at our show inbox, fmt at lseg.com. Now over to Jane Goodland, Group Head of Sustainability at LSEG.
1: Heather, welcome and thank you for joining us on Net Zero Conversations.
2: Absolute pleasure. Thank you.
1: You are Executive Director at the all-party parliamentary group on fair business banking. Can you tell us a bit about that group, please?
2: So it's it's a group of about 140 MPs and peers within Westminster who have an interest in kind of the relationship between businesses and financial services sector and making sure that the financial services sector kind of does the best for businesses in the UK.
1: And you also were involved in setting up the Net Zero Alliance for the banking sector, is that right?
2: Yes. So I co-founded a Project called Bankers for Net Zero. It was originally just supposed to be a, a one-off project that lasted for a year until COP26, which turned into two years, of course, because of COVID. And it was it was born out of the idea that we could see that there was going to be a really kind of intense change that the whole industry was going to be going through, and and fundamentally that was going to change relationships because ultimately banks were starting were in the process of redefining risk and redefining value, which of course are fairly central to the financial services sector. So. We just wanted to make sure that we started the conversations early with businesses, with banks and making sure, and with politicians as well and policy makers, to make sure that we have as much of a glide path as possible rather than cliff edges because if the wrong incentives are put in the wrong place you know it could become very difficult so that was really the kind of origin of that initiative and since then it's kind of grown arms and legs and we're now the uk country chapter of the net zero banking alliance so we're the first country chapter in the world and it is very much about taking the commitments that have been made at a high level and then translating those into what that looks like on the ground given our particular legislative regulatory cultural framework that we have within the country.
1: So, so what types of things will banks be doing to be able to activate those commitments that they've made? What does that mean in practice?
2: It's really tricky, actually, in practice because, not to put too final point, but a lot of these commitments cannot be kept without significant policy intervention. So. A perfect example, because banks have signed up to decarbonize their scope three emissions and go through the entire loan book, they're essentially responsible for the carbon emissions of every household that has a mortgage well, yeah, um, and Right, and every small business. So to get that kind of the retrofitting, that level of decarbonization and that level of behavioral change, that's often stuff that really needs to happen from government um, and an industry can support that so there's a lot of tricky discussions on how you know how do we engage with the retrofit agenda how do we engage with supporting SMEs, those are the two areas we've done deep dives into so far. The plan is to, to go into another sector, probably agriculture next and then take those and essentially to a certain extent we're also trying to de-risk some some of the po- bold policy decisions that parliamentarians need to make in order to move the agenda forward. So it is very much about having the kind of tough conversations because you've got a lot of competing interests in, in the room, but we were very keen that this initiative in, involved a very broad curve, so we've got WWF and E3G involved and Nigel Topping was on our original Steering Committee before we've turned it into this long-term kind of project now. So we've had a lot of, of tough conversations, but I, that's the whole point is t- engaging not just with the sustainability teams within the banks, but starting to do workshops where you actually engage with the people that are dealing with clients and that are front facing. So trying to make it more real, I guess, for the industry.
1: And I think, I mean, it's fascinating, kind of this part of the conversation, because actually what we're talking about here is often very small businesses who who may want to take steps to reduce their carbon footprint, but simply don't have the kind of access to finance or or the know-how to make those changes. So the role of government and policy is really important. Is that something that the Alliance, have you got an active work stream on policy engagement? What are the sorts of conversations you're having with policymakers? So
2: loads. I mean, we, we work really closely with Bayes and Treasury um, in particular, so Bayes on the retrofit team. So we meet with them quite regularly to talk about ideas that they may have. We're certainly looking to do um, something for the SMEs in the country, which would involve Basically, Bays and all the major kind of business representatives at the CBI and the IOD and Institute directors and whatnot, and the financial services sector, and seeing how we can use the kind of banking system as a as a conduit for this information to, to kind of get out there as well.
1: And you mentioned um, also earlier uh, about uh, mortgages. Yeah. And can you can you expand on that a little bit more? Because that's another interesting area where we can all try to decarbonize our homes more and more if we knew
2: how well absolutely and i think this is probably one of the biggest challenges we have is particularly around the retrofit agenda And because you're talking about people's homes it's it's quite personal and and you know best will in the world if you take a few kind of points off a mortgage and you know somebody saves 50 quid a month they're not really going to that's not going to inspire the behavioral change that we need in order to really properly retrofit our homes and, and whatnot so our kind of proposals have been that we need to go really heavy um on some kind of mass social housing retrofit kind of projects, in order to start bringing the cost curve down, because essentially it's still it's 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 boutique right now retrofitting, you know. Mm. It's, so it's kind of like going to a nice little boutique shop on the high street, where really it needs to be kind of IKEA standard, where yeah, exactly, <laughs> or B and Q, where it's just what's done, and we're just not there yet. And and really, a lot of that is going to rely on on the policymakers leading that. But because of the, the commitments that banks have made, all of a sudden you've got financial institutions much more interested in this, in the fabric of the buildings that they're actually lending on. And there's loads of risks that come with this as well. So if we don't do it well, you can end up in a situation where we get unmortgageable properties, All right. So you've got to really kind of navigate your way through carefully. Otherwise, the, the unintended consequences can be, quite, can be quite severe.
1: Now, of course, you are focused work on, on the the UK but are you seeing similar type of activity in banking sectors in other countries as well?
2: I know that there are are some alliances but certainly I think the ambition is that other country chapters do evolve out of this and we're you know we've quite purposely got a lot of international organisations that sit on our our advisory Mm -hmm. board but that's certainly I know that the UN are quite keen for other countries to kind of evolve as well and do something similar.
1: And um, one final question, if you don't mind, Heather, as we look forward to COP27, in your opinion, what do you think is the one thing that really we need to get right so that the summit is a success?
2: I, I think that we're going the right direction in terms of that the, the focus is now on implementation rather than the commitments. And, and we need to start speaking the same language, I guess, first and foremost. I always like to say right now, the way that we kind of measure sustainability in ESG, it would be the equivalent of the big four starting to compete with each other on how they present a balance sheet or a profit (laughs) and loss. It's, you know, it's a ludicrous idea, isn't it? And we're still in that mode. And so I think that's the the implementation, the consistency is probably the things that we need to really focus on now.
1: So presumably you are a fan of the introduction of uh, globally consistent disclosure standards. Yes, definitely. And looking forward to the ISSB standards coming in.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Great. All right. Well, many thanks and lovely to talk to you.
2: Pleasure. Thank you.
0: We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. Thank you for joining and see you next time.